Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie. And Marcus, what's going on, Frank? Nothing much, dude. Uh, it's been a minute. Ironically, as soon as we made our announcement saying that we were taking a break for a little while, some guy named Roger Federer decided that he was going to retire, and we knew that we had to make this episode because, as is well known on the podcast, Roger Federer is my favorite player of all time, by far the most important player in my sort of tennis like being life, whatever you'd like to call it. Marcus, I think he's right there for you as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't not like Fed, and he's arguably one of the most influential tennis players ever um, and an amazing ambassador for the sport. I think it is undebatable that he is the most influential tennis player ever. Serena he is the Williams. most popular player of the past 20 years. Serena um, Williams competes. Uh, yeah, I guess I haven't really thought about it from like a men's to women's tennis like spectrum, yeah. but like I'm specifically I, talking about the men's game. Okay, but. men, men, yeah, Roger. Total, honestly, I would probably pick Serena. Uh, in terms that's of a, that's a that's a different yeah. episode. That's a different episode. <laughs> I haven't even thought about that, but that's actually a good episode idea. We'll bank that. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so Roger Federer announces that he will be retiring at this weekend's Labor Cup. Uh, which, by the way, I didn't actually know this, is co-run by Roger Federer's like holding company. Like mm-hmm. He's a very big part of it. So I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. So Roger's going to be retiring. Marcus, I just kind of want to hear your initial thoughts. What do you think of the decision? I think we all knew that this was sort of coming. You know, what, what do you think? Um, obviously a little bit of shock considering that we all thought he was going to, you know, play labor cup, play his hometown tournament in Basel, Switzerland, and then maybe prepare himself for one last kind of farewell tour in 2023, at least play the four slams and gives you know, all these slams are going to give him a wild card. Um, and then he just kind of dropped the bomb that he said, you know what, I just can't do it anymore. The, the knees just can't with just can't you just can't get himself back to that level and when you're as good as someone as Roger Federer um, which I definitely do not know and most people don't but if you can't reach that same level of of game it's so tough to just go out there just to just to be there Um, because this is a guy who is doesn't come off as a competitive but is one of the most insanely competitive human beings this this planet has ever seen and if he knows that he can't compete at the highest level with Rafa, Novak, and some of the new guys like Carlos and Yannick Sinner and these boys, you know, there's just not much in for him. So, and you know, he's a, he's a family man. He's got a wife. He's got two sets of twins. He's done it all in tennis. He's literally done it all in tennis. I mean, you know, all three of them, you know, him, Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal. I mean, they've all done it all basically. So at this point, there's really nothing more to prove. Um, I'm glad that he is actually playing for us. I know that he said he's not going to be 100% and that he's only going to play doubles, but man, there's nothing more than I would love to see is just watch Roger Federer play tennis one more time. I'm assuming you feel the same way, Frank. Yeah, I mean, for me, this it was I was very, very sad and devastated to hear the news that Roger was, was retiring. I mean, for me, and I think anyone who is around our age, right, it's sort of the same thing stories that you're hearing that like this is almost like the end of like for me there was like this moment where it felt like it was like the end of my childhood 
because Roger has just been this constant in my life for 20 years. He's been is, a pro since we were two. It is insane, insane <laughs> that this guy has just been on the tour like this. And, you know, I have so many fond memories, as I'm sure Marcus and everybody else does, of like watching Roger with like my dad or like, and, and like, it's just, it was just very emotional for me, like hearing that he was retiring, but I am so, so happy for him. Like he has nothing left to prove. He has, you know, he, he's done everything that he needs to do. And we're, we're going to talk about some of like his crazy records that have gone on, but you know, Roger, for me, the most important thing that he did was we talk about being like Marcus just mentioned, we don't think of Roger as a compet like as being competitive, right? Like, you know, maybe not as overtly as like a Rafa or a Novak and, you know, everything like that. But what Roger was, was like the definition of what I think of as a sportsman. And that I think that that was always what drew him, what made so many people be drawn to him. Uh, is the way that he won, the way that he competed, um, you know, beyond the effortless side of things. I think everybody obviously likes that too, but it was also just the guy was gracious in victory. He was gracious in defeat. He was gracious off the court, never had a controversy, never had anything. Like, it's just really, really, really rare to have a sports person have that, really, especially in the day and age of social media for Roger to be able to do what he's done is nothing short of miraculous, quite honestly. And I think that, you know, he would also that he did, you know, from like the, the strategic side of things and like the tennis history side of things is that, and like, I love this quote by Andy Roddick in the Marty Fish documentary on Netflix, if you have not uh, watch that. I highly encourage you to watch it. It was excellent. But Andy said, you know, we were doing really well, meaning the Americans being we uh, of Andy Roddick and Marty Fish. And then this guy Fed came along and instantly everybody was starstruck and awestruck that the guy was simultaneously the best offensive player in tennis and the best defensive player in tennis. Like Roger took that definition of being an all court player to a level that no one had ever thought was possible. And despite changing like rackets, changing strings, changing court speeds, Roger was always right there. And at 40 years old, got to a Wimbledon quarterfinal, which is crazy. And we'll even talk about his last major win when he was, I think, 38 years old, 37 years 36. old, 36, like crazy. That is bananas when you really think about it. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can talk about Roger forever is the honest answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm looking at some of these stats here, Frank, just to throw out just a few, just to kind of get our listeners to realize how ridiculous this man was. Um 20 Grand Slam titles, 11 finals, so a total of 31 Grand Slam finals. Uh, silver medalist in singles at the Olympics, doubles gold medalist with fellow Swiss man, um, Swissman, 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 whatever you want to call it, uh, Stan Wawrinka, um, six-time world tour final champion, holds the record for that, 
28 Masters titles, 22 Very finals. overlooked, by the way, that, yes. that uh, World Tour Finals thing. We've spoken about how valuable that is. Mm-hmm. Very overlooked in his career. Yep. And Something, with uh, his Masters 1000, another asterisk that I'll just point out, mm-hmm. some of those were won back when they were three out of five sets. Correct. Correct. Absolutely right on, Frank. Um, he, I mean... Let me look at another one right here. I just had it. Uh, career, I mean, 103 singles titles. I mean, what? 54 runners up. So he's he made it to the final of tournaments 157 times. Um, crazy. He won his last. He won his last Masters title in 2019. Won his last Grand Slam, like Frank mentioned, when he was 36 years old at the Australian Open, taking out Marin Cilic in five sets. Um, I mean, let's. I mean, we could just keep. We could literally. I mean, just, I'll give. I'll. I'll throw something at you. Yeah, go ahead. Hit, hit me. His unbreakable records for me are ones that'll be extraordinarily difficult to beat. World number one for two hundred and thirty-seven weeks in a row. In insane. Five U.S. Open titles in a row, which is also the most in the Open era. Just like like cumulative, five is the most in the Open era, and he won them all in a row. In a row. In a row, which is crazy. Um, he reached 36 consecutive Grand Slam quarterfinals or better, um, which is also just insane. Between Wimbledon 2005 and 2007, he reached 10 consecutive Grand Slam finals in a row and won eight of them. He won 24 finals in a row from 2003 until 2005. He won 24 finals in a row. And he, he also had, had, yep, go ahead. Yep, go ahead. He had a 41 match win streak from 2006 to 2007, which is yep. overlooked. Yep, we'll talk about that season. They, that, yeah, we'll talk about Fed's greatest season, and, and objectively, it's his greatest season. And he had no straight set losses in 194 consecutive matches. From 2004 to 2006, Fed played two, nearly 200 matches, and he won at least one set. Holds the longest hardcore streak of the Open era with a 56-match hardcore win streak. Same for grass court, 65-match win streak. 49 match win streak in the United States, like literally just owned a country for two years, for three years. Shout out to Andy Roddick. Ouch. Um, I mean, you know, got just, I just don't know how to explain how insane this guy is. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to look for more, but there's just so much that this guy's done. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, he won how many Wimbledon? He does he own the record for Wimbledon's too? Yep, still has it. Still okay. has it. No late closing in on that one, but he still got it. Um, you know, and, and give Roger massive credit for, and, and this is going to sound ridiculous, that he only won the French Open once, but he took care of his business once Rafa got knocked out. I know he could never overcome that hurdle, but he still, as soon as he saw that opportunity, took it. So he's uh, he won the career grand oh, yeah. slam, every slam no, once. You're, no, that's, that's definitely true. That's something that you have to give roger is that he was a closer right in that stat that i just said about the 24 consecutive finals in those biggest moments roger roger is is a closer 
the only thing that just came up in the back of my mind is there are two moments in Rogers' career that I'm sure he would even say are the biggest what-ifs for him, right? Number one is the Del Potro one in that final. Going for his sixth straight U.S. Open. Going for his sixth straight U.S. Open, which would he would be clear. um, He would be the clear outright most U.S. Opens all time. Obviously would give him another major, but that record, six in a row U.S. Opens, that would be immense. Five is immense, but six would be bananas. And the match that we talk about all the time, the match where I said if Roger would have won that match, he would have retired on the spot, and I still maintain that to this day. Marcus? 2019 Wimbledon final. Yep, worst day of my life right there. So (laughs) um, that that final. Um, I think that if Roger had won that, I really, truly believe that he would have retired on the spot. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly certainly possible. Um, it's a shame. I mean, he did make it even with a busted knee to the quarters of the 2021 Wimbledon, which is now in hindsight, knowing his physical condition was, is a miracle. Um, so that's in and of yeah. itself a, a great achievement. I Yeah. The thing that I'll also say is that Roger got robbed probably more than any other player um, because of COVID. You know, COVID really, really did him dirty a little bit there. I mean, there's a lot of players that were done dirty and a lot of players that benefited from it, too, well, um, including our lovely superstars, Carlos Alcaraz and Yannick Sinner definitely how, benefited. How did from he it, get but, screwed by COVID out of curiosity? Well, I think I think what you have to realize and like Nadal and Djokovic, I also think are part of this discussion, too. Um, Novak, maybe a little bit less so because he kind of kicked ass in 2021, but being out of match shape is way harder for somebody who's older to get back into than it is for some of these younger guys. They're going to be able to snap right back into shape pretty quickly, but I don't think that's as easy for the older guys. Yeah, but he was already, that's when he started really getting injured anyway. And we all know that when he lost that 2019 match, that he was never going to win a slam again. And that was his last shot. I think we I think we're all in concurrent about that one. I would be curious if Wimbledon 2020 had happened um what what would have occurred. But I will for the for the sake of ease I will agree with that. Um the other I just want to read some of these results off by the way. These are nuts. From 2004 22 and 1 in Grand Slams. 2005, 24 and 2 in Grand Slams. 2006, 27 and 1 in Grand Slams. 2007, 26 and 1 in Grand Slams. That is like a insane record. That record is nuts. And it just gets over like we overlook. I think what people do a lot is they overlook Fed's prime and they just say like, oh, you know, he wasn't playing anybody good. Like he, you know, the Novak and Rafa weren't of age yet. And like Novak definitely wasn't of age yet that I, you know, I I think everybody's in agreement on that. Nadal at the end was definitely of age because Nadal really meteorically rose at 19. So I don't, I don't know if I would necessarily say that as much. But I want people to sort of think 
that like, and uh, you know, I'll say this, you know, about Casper Ruud getting to the final of the U.S. Open too. You beat who's in front of you, and that is what Roger did. And also, the definition of dominance is being so much better than everybody else that you win everything. So Roger whipping everybody over those few years, that is the definition of dominance. In order to be dominant, you have to make everybody else look bad. That's that's like thin the definition of the word. And I think that that is something that Roger has um, very, very clearly in his career. I agree, and I and I, I don't want to take away from that, but I just I, I'm just looking at the end of his career is also nuts here. So he almost had a second peak at 35. Yeah, right. So I'm reading this off here. So 2017 uh, wins the Australian Wimbledon, makes the quarters of the Open. 2018 wins the Australian again. So he won the Australian two years in a row, which he hadn't done since 2006 and 2007. Quarters and a fourth round appearance. Then he makes a fourth round semifinal, final, quarterfinal appearance. Uh, semifinals of the Australian in 2020. Then COVID hit. And then with a busted, completely busted knee, just makes the fourth round of the French Open. And then I believe, did he retire or did he end up losing? I think he retired. He pulled out. He pulled out. Right. He but still, out. I mean, that's still an, a tremendous effort. Makes the quarters of Wimbledon at like, you know, what was it at that point? He was almost like 39, 40. I mean, he had a second was kind four, of... I think he was 40. Or he was about to turn 40. Because there was a gap between, you know, at first it was, you know, once Djokovic kind of came along 2011 and everyone, you know, he just like took the tennis world by storm. You know, he snuck in. Federer did uh, a 2012 Wimbledon. And then it was kind of like, well, shoot, I don't, we, we don't know if he's ever going to win a slam again. Um, well, he was he, stuck on 17. Yeah, he, he was that stuck was the for whole five thing. years. He was, he was stuck on 17 for like five years. Nobody yep. thought everybody originally thought he would get to 20. And then Novak in 2011 just became a, a player that, you know, took some might but be yeah. might might be the greatest, you know, peak ever in tennis history. At Novak in 2011, 2012. It was, yep. it was insane. Yeah, so there was a five. There, that's a five-year drought between slams, and that's between the age of you know like thirty-two and thirty-six, which is bizarre. I thought he was going to retire in twenty thirteen. Honestly, I thought it was like, all right, this is done. He just lost in the second round of Wimbledon and a fourth round of the Open. He's toast. Nope. Comes back, makes a couple more finals, and then has a second revival there with three slams in 27, 20, 2018. Roger, you're a god. Um, we're gonna miss you so so much. We hope to see you on the Champions Tour um, with, with those older old dudes. But, I mean, there's nothing more to say about Roger. He's just he's just the GOAT. Yeah. Actually, yeah, well, I mean, I... That's a strong word, but... <laughs> whoops, well, another episode. I mean, goats, goats, GOAT has become a very watered-down term at this point, in fairness. So, like, he's... He, what I get upset about is when people discount Roger in the greatest of all time discussion, right? They act as if it's just some two-horse race between Rafa and Novak at this point, and that I firmly disagree with. I think it is still very much a three-person I'm going to stop you right race. there. We're going to have to do another episode on that. That No, no, that. no, 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 no. I'm not saying who is and who isn't, but yeah. I think that it is still very much the three of them. That is what I'm saying, is that to not put him in the argument, I think, is is 
is very short-sighted, in that's, my opinion. That's very debatable. We'll see. Like, again, Roger's career is finished now, so we know what his career is. I don't know what Rod, what Rafa and Novak are going to be. If Rafa and Novak get to, like, 25 slams and Roger's five slams behind, then I think, you know, this is a different discussion. But as it stands right now, you know, these guys are two slams apart. <laughs> one, one, two slams apart. So it's not... It's not really that um it's not really that that far apart at this point. But again, we shall see. Another episode for sure. So folks, that's gonna wrap it up for us today. Um Frank and I obviously love talking about Roger Federer. If you have any comments or questions about any of his stats or anything, we'd love to go over that with you. If you want to join the pod, you know where to find us. Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7. Uh, email breakpointpodcast7 at gmail.com. Um, Frank and I are going to be on uh, Instagram a little bit this weekend, hopefully for Laver Cup. Uh, Roger Federer is scheduled to play the Friday night um, double session. I believe he requested to play with Rafael Nadal, so hopefully... Uh, Captain Bjorn Borg hooks us up there. Um, Otherwise, we'll see you uh, next time. Can't wait for Roger to be paired with Novak so that way he can just pull out and retire with no playing. That'll be great. Oh, God, stop. (laughs) You know it's a possibility. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for (laughs) listening. Bye-bye.